how's it going, y'all? Welcome to 25% No Ice. My name is Megan, and I'm here to share my life with you 30 minutes at a time. We're gonna talk all about college life, growing up, and everything in between. So sit back, get your favorite bobas, and let's spill some tea. What is up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of 25% No Ice. I heard this joke of a guy that went around introducing himself as a nobody and when asked why, his reply was because nobody is perfect. (laughs) While it might be a silly joke, it reveals the obsession we have with perfection and being perfect. One study of nearly 42,000 young people around the world found that perfectionism has risen over the last 27 years. Well, If perfectionism is good and being a perfectionist means striving to be perfect, what is the harm of being a perfectionist? In order to fully understand perfectionism, we need to know its definition first. While there are many definitions out there, I think perfectionism can be described as the unreasonable and self-defeating ambition of getting something absolutely right. In other words, It's a personal excellence that has been taken into an extreme. There's this quote by Brene Brown, a professor of social work that says, Perfectionism is not the same thing as striving to be your best. Perfection is not about healthy achievement and growth. Okay, so do you know this cliche job question on what your greatest weakness is? As it turns out, being a perfectionist is the most common answer. It is understandable why though candidate used this answer. The interviewee is not revealing any major character flaw. On top of that, it hints at the ability to produce quality work and the willingness to take responsibility for the quality of work they produce. The interviewee can then misconstrue this weakness as a strength and thus subvert the premise of the question. Pretty smart, right? The conflation of perfectionism and striving to be your best is sometimes done to serve purpose, like in the case of getting a job. It is all fine when one recognizes it, but the danger is when this becomes a case of a lie told enough becomes the truth. We may start to take pride in being termed a perfectionist and believe that perfectionism is good or even something to strive for. The fact of the matter remains that a lot of perfectionistic tendencies are rooted in fear and insecurities. The fear of failure, of letting others down, the need to always justify oneself to get acknowledgement from others, these might all manifest themselves as perfectionism. And while it is okay to be a perfectionist, it is also very important to reflect and pinpoint the reasons why we behave the way we do. People who struggle with perfectionism often set an inflexible and excessively high standards. For instance, they would lure themselves into a false dichotomy of believing that their work is either perfect or an absolute failure. They measure their worth with a contingent to perform perfectly. As a result, perfectionists are prone to stress, burnout, and anxiety. 
It is not all negative though. Perfectionists are highly motivated creatures as well. You might be able to identify them when you see someone who works long hours in a group assignment or an undertaking at work. You know, someone who seems to be more engaged in discussions and the project in general. So, are you a perfectionist? Here are some of the signs that you might be one. First, do you believe that missing two points in your exam makes you a failure? Or, oh, do you skip class or a task because it's useless, because perfection can't be achieved? No? Okay, how about leaving everything until the last minute and close to deadline, not because you are reluctant, but you feel the need to do it perfectly and so you dread it if you don't think you can achieve that? Or do you find yourself rewriting notes all the time because your handwriting doesn't look perfect and electronic notes are limited? Sounds familiar? If you can identify with at least a few of them, you might be a perfectionist after all. It's all great until it becomes a stumbling block. For you, obviously, because as we mentioned previously, extreme perfectionists can be easily burnt out, stressed, and be an inflexible person. I consider myself as a perfectionist and I face challenges too. Trust me, I know. <laughs> for example, I normally prepare for my exams at least one to two weeks before the exam day, but as I get closer to the exam day, I start to get super, super, super lazy because I feel like I haven't understood enough and I can't perfect it anyway since I don't know what are the questions that would come out. So why bother, right? Other times, I can also be very rigid with my schedule as I plan things by the hour to the point uncertainty stresses me out. It's like, it really stresses me out if I don't know what's going to happen with my days. Don't even get me started on waiting for others' confirmation if I have a meeting with someone. The longer they do not inform me, the more stressed I become because I can't plan my other appointments. It's really a struggle. So I had to learn and force myself to be more flexible and rely on estimations instead of the perfect timetable. Okay, like any other thing in the world, you can always make a lemon into a lemonade. So how can you do that with perfectionism? Okay, so I was watching Ozark on Netflix one day. If you guys have ever watched that, please let me know because I actually really like that show. And basically, there is this quote by a character who said, and I quote, There is a pain that uses you and pain that you use. And if you are someone who watched Ozark, you'll know that this person is Darlene. <laughs> we are not quite talking about pain here, but we have went on a bit on what perfectionism is and identified how it affects people. In the same way, let's look at how we can make perfectionism work for you. How do you do that? Well, for a starter, you need to break the cycle of rumination. A lot of perfectionists often repetitively mull over a thought or a problem without reaching a solution. It is easy to assume that ruminating is problem solving, but for perfectionists, 
It is easy for us to get lost in our thoughts, trying to solve problems without any progress. For example, as a student, I find myself getting caught up in my thoughts, trying to wrap my head around new academic concepts or trying to solve an assignment. This happens more often than I would like to admit, to be honest. I might stare at a problem for hours on end, determined to solve it, but end up going nowhere. When people are stuck in this vicious cycle, they tend to be less forgiving towards themselves. This is unhealthy, unproductive, and an easy getaway into anxiety. So we need to be cognizant of the difference between ruminating and problem solving and stop ourselves from entering the cycle of rumination. Now, there are four steps to breaking this cycle. So let's see what we can do. Step number one. Identify your trigger. In order to break the cycle, you need to recognize it first. I mean, obviously, right? What specifically triggered you? Look around and identify where you are, what you're doing, and who's around you. These will help you factor out the trigger. For example, you might notice that you become a very critical person when, let's say, you're hanging out with a specific group of people, which then lure you into the cycle. Next, you just got to hang out less often with them and see if that helps. Step number two, don't trust your first instinct. It's hard. Trust me, I know. <laughs> when it comes to ruminating about the past event, you need to take a step back because you might not have understood the bigger picture of the situation. This is because people tend to focus on negative things that had taken place. Thus, you can't trust your ruminating mind. For instance, you left out a significant point during your exam or decision-making that caused you to re regret it to this day. As a result, whenever you think about it, you think of the possible ways you could have done better. There is this wonderful quote by a renowned psychologist, Daniel Kahneman, that says, Nothing in life is as important as you think it is while you are thinking about it. When instinctively trying to solve a problem by thinking about it, we are overemphasizing its importance at that point in time. So don't trust your instinct. Take a step back and see the bigger picture. Step number three, seek diversion. Distractions can be your best friend. I realize that the more I occupy myself with on a daily basis, the less I let my thoughts wander into scary places. So try starting a simple task like do your laundry, start a simple 10 minutes Pilates class at home, or maybe adjust your bookkeeping. Anything really that would make you feel productive and occupied. It would rebuild your confidence and give you a fresh pair of eyes when revisiting the problem later. Now, step four, which is the last step, is to think positive. I know it sounds cliche, but this is actually very important. So ruminating usually leads to negative thoughts and anxiety. I once heard someone said, when anxiety knocks at your door, make sure that only faith answers it. I guess in this context, you need to start having faith in yourself again. Think about the achievements that you have accomplished rather than your setbacks. The same person who achieved them is still there, but you were just listening to the wrong voice. So think positively and lower down the volume of the negativity. It's always harder to think positively as a human because we are designed to focus on the negative constantly. Once you have escaped that black hole, you can start using your perfectionism to your advantage. 
So get motivated, be driven and make less mistakes. Another thing that you can do is to get perspective from other people around you. Find someone you trust and is willing to engage with you emotionally. It can be a friend, a sibling, a mentor, or even your parents. So be honest, open, and just be vulnerable. Tell this person that you're working on getting better in this area and give them the permission to give feedback to you if you are too fussy or hung up on a specific issue. As an observer, they would see a clearer picture of how you behave, one that is not obscured by emotions or confusion. Tell them that you want them to be honest and would try to see from their point of view. So don't take it too personally when they correct you on their or when they point out a certain things to you. It is okay to be defensive, but promise them that you would at least approach their feedback with an open mind and consider it. Of course, be sure to keep that promise and reflect on their feedback. From time to time, you can review your progress as you attempt to moderate your perfectionist tendencies with the help of the feedback provided and ask yourself the following questions. Was there anything I avoided this week due to fear of making mistakes? Were there any instances where my perfectionism was not worth it? Or were there any times this week when I took action even when I felt uncertain and ended up moving things forward? The main intention of this exercise is to learn where perfectionism has a positive impact and where it does not, and make your perfectionism work for you. Fundamentally, we are not trying to stop being perfectionist, but redirecting our obsessiveness with perfection into areas or tasks that require it. Okay, the content of this episode is mostly advice from experts that I found useful for myself that I can relate to and I think I can put into practice. Links to the sources can be found in the description box below. Now, that's all I've got for this episode and since this is going live on the 25th of December, I wish you all a jolly Merry Christmas and I'll see you all at the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe if you'd love to spend some quality boba time with me and you can find 25% No Eyes on Spotify and Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can email us at 25sugar0eyes, that's 25 and 0 in numerical form and feel free to reach us via email if you'd love to be a guest on our podcast or if you know someone that would love to be here. Lastly, follow me on Instagram at Megan Bahar and I'll write that down at the description box. This podcast is produced by Megan Bahar and co-produced and edited by Everest. See you on the next episode.